Listen, take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 8. That's where we left off last week. We're going to look at a passage of Scripture. We've been talking about the best year ever, and we finished off last week with some words of Jesus. I want to pray I don't lose my voice this morning. I don't think I will, but just in case. uh, Mike Tucker will finish up for me just in case I have to leave. Uh, And also, uh, if you don't have a copy of the notes, if you'll raise your hand, if you'd like a copy, we'll get those for you. Um, There's some people, what do you mean? What's that mean? Well, you're just going to have to go make some more copies. You don't have no more copies? Y'all going to have to hustle this thing up. That's good that you guys are wanting notes. I think you're just doodling on them though, right? (laughs) Are you really keeping notes? I bet you they may may bring some more up in just a few minutes. And so, uh, but anyway, I noticed on there last night when I was going back through, there are a couple of changes we'll make along the way. And and so I'll try to do that as we we go along this morning because I want to make sure that you have them correctly. Um, But let's just, let's start off where we left off last week with the words of Jesus. He's addressing some disciples, addressing people that believed him. And this is what he said in John chapter 8, verse 31. He said this, he said, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. Now, that, those words remain faithful. In the NIV, it may, you may have the words hold, hold to or hold on. In the message, it says this, it says stick to. So hold on or stick to. In other words, what Jesus is saying is listen. Um, it's one thing to hear it. It's another thing to, to grasp onto it and not let go of it. How many of you guys like sticky notes that you stick up and then they fall down a little bit later? Isn't that the most aggravating thing in the world to do something? Or you stick something on the wall or you come back a little bit later and it's falling down? <laughs> no. No, you want to be able to to hear God's word. You want to be able to take it, though. And those that are disciples, the true disciples, are the ones that will remain faithful to his teachings, he says. And he goes on to say this, that if we continue to hold on, remain faithful, here's the promise, you will, what's that word? You'll know the truth. It's a very interesting word in the Greek. It's called genosko. That word to know means not just to know, because you've heard it, it means to know, to know through experience. And as you hold on to the teachings, he's saying, and you will know the truth. You'll come to know the truth because you'll experience the truth, not because of it's what's in your head, because you'll experience it in your heart, and you'll hold on to it. And he says, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you what? Free. Is anybody, anybody that doesn't want to be free? We all want to be free. And he says here, listen, if you want to experience freedom, then hold on and don't let go what I'm teaching you. If you want to grow spiritually in your faith, if you want to mature in your faith, then take what I'm teaching you, take the words and the things that I'm teaching you, and don't just listen to them and let them go in one ear and out the other ear. But he said, take them and apply them. Let them go from your head to your heart and hold Onto them. Now, here's a thought. How many of you guys made New Year's resolutions? (laughs) 
Thank you, Larry, for being honest. <laughs> How many of you made New Year's resolutions didn't tell anybody <laughs> that you made a New Year's resolution? Not even your spouse. And that's a lot of times what we'll do. You know, you're not alone if you made a New Year's resolution. They say people that, that um, lots of people make New Year's resolutions. Sometimes we don't want to say we made a New Year's resolution because it doesn't take very long before we've walked away from that New Year's resolution that we said we were going to make. See, some of you said that you were going to read through the Bible, through the New Testament, but you made it through probably the first week and then something happened and you've not picked it back up. Wow. Wow. You know, they say... Mm, I forget how many percent, but it's a lot. Seven days is what it takes to, to break your New Year's resolution. Now, there are different reasons for breaking the New Year's resolution. One is because we don't tell anybody. We're afraid to tell somebody that we're making a commitment because we don't want anybody to hold us, to hold us accountable for the commitment that we make. Some of you guys are smiling. Like, I mean, some of you guys have made uh, physical fitness uh, resolutions in your mind. I'm going to get up and go to the gym at 4 o'clock every day. And that lasted for a couple of days. Some of you may, I'm going to eat only certain types of food. And that lasted until you ended up somebody taking you to the, you know, the, the snack shack or whatever it was. And you saw this big juicy burger roll out there. And all of a sudden it wasn't just a greasy burger that you ended up having. You had some fries and had to throw in there, a, you know, a like a real big cherry Coke, and then, then you saw the dessert list and you had to throw a little dessert in there. But some of us, the reason we fail is we don't ever have anybody to hold us accountable or walk alongside of us or to, you know, to encourage us in that journey. You know, it's the same way in our walk with the Lord. How many people over the years make decisions for Christ and they don't have the community around them to encourage them in the walk or to hold them accountable and so it doesn't take very long, something happens in their life. Sure, they'll go to church for a while, something happens, and they seem to slide out into some other place. You ever seen that? How many of you guys know somebody that has professed a faith in Christ, but's not walking with him right now? You know somebody like that? See, it may be you. This may be your first time back in a long time for whatever the reason. And we talk about other people holding us accountable, which is really good, or other people around us to encourage us, and that's really good. But, but what, about, what about some things that we can do on a personal level to help us hold on to the teachings of the Lord, that can help us hold on and go from our head to our to a heart that can hold on and that we remain faithful to the teachings of Christ so that we will know the truth and the truth will set us free. Because isn't that what you really want is you want freedom. You want a, don't you want a relationship with the Lord that you know that whatever happens, whatever takes place, that God's got you? Don't you want that? Sometimes we don't, don't make it that far. Something happens and we tend to shy away. We walk off because we're living off of somebody else's relationship with the Lord instead of our own. So why don't we spend some time today looking at some things that you personally can do. That If you're a follower of Christ, what are some things that you can do to hold on to, hold on to your faith, to hold on to God's word? 
So I'm going to give you some things today. Let me give you the first one to start off with. First thing I want you to write down, and, and I know that you've got a sheet of paper. It says there on your, on your notes, it says things to help us hold on to God's word. Right up under that, write number one, because we missed this. And I want you to write the words. For you to be able to hold on, you need to see God's word as foundational. You can just write a number one right up under that and write in, see God's word as foundational. In other words, everything else is built upon it. See, you can't always see a foundation, can you? The strength of a house it is, isn't in the roof line. The strength of the house is in the, in the foundation. Everything is contingent upon the strength of the foundation. And this is what Jesus promised in the book of Matthew. And this is sort of a paraphrase from, we'll call this a Sydney phrase, okay? This is what he was saying. Don't just hear what I say, but put it into practice, and it'll make a difference in your life. And as a result, you'll reap the benefits. So don't just hear. Just don't hear the words, but put those things into practice. And when we put those things, the things that Jesus was teaching, when we put them into practice, he says, we will reap the benefits. Because right after that, Jesus teaches us that the storms are coming. And they tell us that today, the storms are coming. First thing I... I hear this morning when I'm checking on the weather, as I, I hear this thought of, you know, we don't ever issue a high risk. And I start looking, and I was telling somebody earlier, I think Caleb, I was telling, you don't usually see pink on the weather, on the, on the weather list. Central Florida is in a pink zone. They tell us that this afternoon and tonight to expect severe storms, the possibilities of tornadoes. I don't like that. Do you like that? Now, let me ask you the question. When you built your house, did you build with the storms in mind? I didn't. So every time they start announcing a, a tornado or a hurricane in my house, we got to go find some spot. Now, it's usually ultimate chaos. Now, I don't know if you guys remember when we have tornadoes, these, these little alarms that go off. Well, when our alarms go off, Meredith tries to assemble us all. We don't really have a place to go. We don't have a tornado closet because I didn't build my house with a tornado in mind. I didn't build my house with a hurricane in mind. I got a good foundation and I got a great house and I know who built it and I was there every, every step of the way. But I didn't do that. So when the storms come, I just have to pray, Jesus, if it is, it is. Get up under a mattress, I guess. But nothing I can do about it. But here Jesus is saying, listen, man, listen, there's no other foundation laid than that which is Jesus Christ. You got to see God's word is foundational to our life, not just something that's on the outskirts that we put in later on, but it's got to be foundational, foundational. We have to realize that storms will come. And let's talk about this for a second, because what are some of the storms in life that we'll face? What are some of the storms in life that we'll face that have the ability to take our breath away? Illness? Death? Financial difficulties? Marriage? Stated from a newlywed. What else? Divorce? 
children, children, adult children. What else? Parents, death, multitudes of things, the storms that will come into our life and have the ability to sweep us away in the matter of a moment. Sometimes there are things that we, sometimes we, have, we face problems and troubles because we bring them on ourselves. And sometimes they just happen to come, John. We don't do anything about it. They just happen to come just because. And the Bible tells us that those things fall on the just and the unjust, the righteous and the unrighteous. I don't understand it. But this is what the scripture has to say, and it teaches us that God's word is foundational. And Jesus said, listen, man, you got to build your life on the foundation, the right foundation. And God's word has to be foundational. Coming to church is not enough to sustain you in the midst of the storms. You can walk in and walk out those doors, and I tell you what, be swept away at the moment's notice when you face the difficult times. God's word has to be foundational. There's some things that you ought to not build your foundation on that we have a tendency to build our foundation on. And here are some things that you might want to even write down. Tradition. Tradition. That's saying because we've always done it that way. Jesus wasn't against tradition. But not, it wasn't tradition over truth. Tradition does not trump truth. Jesus even addressed it when he talked to the Pharisees when he said this. In Mark chapter 7, verse 8, for you ignore God's law and substitute your own traditions. Name a situation where you think that tradition could trump truth. Worship styles, sanctuaries, buildings, types of practices. Well, we've always done it that way. We can't never change. We totally forget about God, what God's Word has to say. It's about the traditions, holding on. Traditions are to reinforce the teachings of God, God's Word, not replace God's Word. They're not a substitute. What about this reasoning? Our reasoning, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12 said this, There's a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in Death. Just because something seems right doesn't mean that it is right. How many of us take the path of least resistance? Or we seem to maybe follow what seems to be logical at the moment. So we got to be careful. We got to be careful. We have a tendency to want to redefine things out of reasoning. Things like marriage, sexuality, even salvation, thinking that we know better. And God, you know, you know, things have changed. Times are different. And so we start using our minds, but our reasoning cannot replace God's word. It's a false foundation. It leads to destruction. Culture. Maybe you've heard this before. Well, everybody else is doing it. Everybody else has one. Everybody else is going. What's popular or culturally acceptable will change based on the needs and desires. But God's word never changes. I mean, think how often culture changes. Why do you think the racks at the clothing stores change every so many months? 
It's not always because of the seasons. Cultures changing and things. Why do you think Apple's always coming out with a new product? Cultures changing. Things are changing. This is what Isaiah 40 says. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. Or what about this one? Feelings. Feelings. You can raise your hand if you need a, a, a copy of the notes. Miss Sheila has them. If it feels good, do it. If it feels good, it's got to be right. But our feelings can lie. And our feelings can't always be trusted. So we've got to be careful. Our feelings can lead us to a place of confusion. In the book of Judges, we find where the people of Israel, they kept crying out, you know, we want what everybody else has. We want, we want to have us a king. We want a king we want to be like the other nations. And at the end of the book of Judges, this is the passage that says this, and this is so telling because um, chaos has the ability to follow our feelings. In those days, Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. In other words, they did what they wanted to do. They, felt what, they did what felt good, what they thought was right. And as a result... They face the consequences. So a couple of questions. A couple of questions for you today. What do you do? What do you do when you're reading God's word, but you don't have, a, have an understanding of what you're reading? What do you do when you're reading God's word? In the midst of reading God's word, you have a hard time understanding how something could take place, something could happen, or how God could approve or allow it. What do you do in those times? Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. We talk about this all. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. There are going to be those times and we just don't understand and we just don't grasp it. Listen, if you're reading through the New Testament with us, you'd probably have saw that last week if you really knew what was going on in the life of John the Baptist. Meredith and I had a conversation about it. John was in prison. John's in prison and all of a sudden he begins to hear everything that's going on in the life of Jesus and the healings and the teachings and things that were taking place. John in prison, and he was in prison because he had spoke out against the sins of Herod. He's in prison and he sends word through his disciples to Jesus. And he says, I want you to go out, I want you to ask, are you the one that we've been waiting for? Are you truly, truly the Messiah? Or is he, there's somebody else? That make a lot of sense. What even doesn't even make even more sense, Jesus, when he finds out, he says, you go back and tell him the miracles that have taken place, the things that you've seen with your own, with your own eyes. And then Jesus went and he rescued John the Baptist and they lived a life happily ever after. No, that's not what took place. Matter of fact, it wasn't long after that that John the Baptist was beheaded. You would think that if Jesus loved John, he would have went to John. But he didn't. As a matter of fact, according to, according to, to, uh, to the scriptures, if you look at the geology and you look at the placement, here's John Here's Jesus at that time, and Jesus goes the opposite direction. 
Understand it? I don't understand it. Man, I would think if Jesus loved him, he'd went and got him out. It's not what took place. But there are going to be times in God's word we don't understand and they just don't make sense. There are going to be times when we can't figure it out, when it's not logical. But in those times that you don't understand, you just have to hold on, hold on, trust God's word and say, I am willing to trust him. God is bigger and wiser than anything that I can imagine. He is God and I am not. Even though I don't understand it, I'm going to trust him. I believe. Second thing, second thought. You got to make God's word foundation of our lives. The second thought is this. You got to make God's word the priority of your lives. Let me ask you this question. What's the first thing you do when you get up in the morning? I shouldn't have asked that question, should I? <laughs> Probably not a good question. But what is the first things that you do in the morning? After you go to the bathroom, by the way. <clears throat> Coffee. What else? Facebook, check the weather, check my calendar, check my emails. Later on down the line, you say, no, I just didn't have any time for, for God today. You got to see God's word as a priority for your life. A priority for your life. Scripture says this, Matthew 6, 33, Seek the kingdom above, of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you want. No, it's not what he says. Everything that you need. NIV translation says this, seek first. When you get up in the morning, Seek first. I have to admit, if I lay my phone down, one of the first things I'm going to do is get up and say, okay, what's happened? What's taking place? Any emails in the middle of the night? Any messages in the middle of the night? I've tried to get to the place after I heard a, a message the other day to leave my phone in another room, and I'm having to practice that. What are you saying, Dottie? That's a good, that's... Praise Jesus. Yeah. Some people say, well, I'll use the excuse. I use it as my alarm clock. Get you another alarm clock. Your phone can be so stinking distractive. The thing I wrestle with is what happens if there's an emergency that takes place in the middle of the night and somebody needs something. I wrestle with that. But I tell you what, first thing that I do is I don't lean over and pick up my phone and start checking my emails. Because all of a sudden, my life becomes, um, becomes filled with just a bunch of other junk. Making the priority, the first priority, seek him above everything else, God above everything, live righteously, obey God's word. He gives us everything that we need. All that stuff in life that we have a tendency to worry about that he talks about prior to this, the stuff that seems to consume us, the stuff that seems to consume our time, our thoughts, our energy. Jesus said, listen, put me first and I'll take care of the rest. That's hard. That's a discipline. For some of you, this might be old news. Some of you that have been walking with the Lord for many, many years, you've been seeking after the Lord and making God's word a priority. But for some of you, this may be new. God's word can't be an afterthought. 
It needs to be first and foremost in our lives. Um, and I believe, listen, I mean, sometimes our schedules, let's just be honest, sometimes our schedules are crazy. But I know this right here. At the end of the day, can be really, really hard. In the morning, in the morning, since we've started the, uh, the New Testament read-through, Meredith has a hard time. She don't like it. Listen, Meredith will stay up all night long. We're to opposites. I, I'd rather go to bed and get up early. But we're total opposites. But she, listen, I got to give her the, the kudos or the applause, whatever you want to call it. Kudos, that's an animal, isn't it? You get what I'm saying. Those of you, y'all understand. Kudos, kudos. Um, You know that 4.55, 5 o'clock, got the coffee on. Uh, Just that habit of being able to sit down. And let me tell you, man, I lied to you guys. I didn't tell you the truth. There's no way you can spend 15, 10 or 15 minutes reading a passage of Scripture. I guess you can if you speed read through it, but if you're going to sit down and listen to God's Word and you're going to study it and you're going to try to, you're going to, try to read some commentary or something alongside of it, you can't do it in 10 minutes. You can't do it. So you're going to sit along some other side. So these guys, 10 minutes with God makes your life different. Listen, mm-mm, mm-mm. Now you're going to have to spend some more time. If he's going to be a priority of your life, you're going to have to spend more than 10 minutes in the Word seeking after him. I was having a conversation. You ever lost anything? You ever lost something so special that, man, you just searched all over the place and you couldn't find it, just bothered you, and you searched and you searched and you searched and you couldn't give up? Meredith lost a diamond in a ring. I still hadn't been able to find it. Lost a diamond in a ring years and years and years ago. I told the kids about it. I think they're secretly searching for it. (laughs) But when you lose something that's valuable, you're willing to search for it. Search for it. And those are the truths of the Lord. And if, you've, if you deem God's word as being valuable, you'll make it a priority. And you'll make it a priority because you say, there's something in there that God wants to teach me. There's something in God's word that he wants me to hear. There's something in God's word that he wants me to apply to my life. And so I'm going to go after it. I'm going to spend time in it because it's valuable. Valuable. Find your routine, whatever that may be. And I don't know what your routine is, but I promise you this, for you to spend time with the Lord, you're going to have to get up a little bit early. It's hard at different seasons of life. I don't care what season. It's a little bit easier when you're retired and ain't nobody else in the house except you. It's just easier. I promise you that. It's a little bit harder when you've got a baby in the house or you're trying to raise twins or you've got something else going on and it seems like you're like, or at teenage years. It's It's different you got to figure out what works for you and quit looking at everybody else and what they got going on and trying to compare or compete with them. you got to make God the priority in your life and find the schedule that works for you. Make him the priority. I remember when Abby was born, it would take, because she was six and a half weeks premature, it would take an hour and a half to feed her. And how often we have to feed her? Like, Every two hours. Yeah. Hour and a half to feed her, and we had to feed her every two hours. You go figure that one out. There ain't a lot of rest in that at all. 
So, baby, we were double-teaming back and forth. Anything we could do to try just to make it happen. There wasn't a lot of extra time, period. Find what works for you. You know, and as far as taking notes, we provide the, you know, we provide the journals for you. And I, I hope that you would, be, you would want to be able to take some notes. But it's just not about taking notes to say, listen, I want to please somebody or I want to take notes just so I can feel. You take notes because you say, God, I want to. I want to take some notes because I want to hear what you're saying. I want to take some notes because I want to be able to go back. And it's easier when not only you hear it, but you write it down. To write down. Here's just a method, the SOAP method that I've, I've told you guys about it before. Created by a pastor out in Hawaii years ago. It's the scripture. What is the passage of scripture that I'm reading? The observation. What is it about the passage of scripture that I need to know? Who wrote it? When was it written? Who was it written to? Why was it written? Anything that, you can, anything that you can write down that would help you in your observation of that passage of Scripture. Um, usually if you're reading through the Bible, like we are right now through the book of Matthew, you want to spend as much time up front thinking and looking through the book of Matthew in a commentary so you know who wrote it, why they wrote it, when was it written, to whom was it written to, and what was the purpose of it. So as you read through, that helps you so much. But you're reading with the purpose of saying, how does this apply to my life? The application. God, what is it you want me to hear in the passage of Scripture today that I can apply to my life? And then, P, to be able to pray about it. God, I just don't want to hear it. I want to apply it to my life. And I know for me to apply it, I'm going to need, I'm going to have to have some stick to it, and I'm going to have to hold on to some stuff. So, God, I'm going to ask you for strength ask you for some, some help. And you know, God's Word, listening to God's Word and communicating to God's Word just doesn't have to take place early in the morning. Meredith, when she's taking the kids to the school, it's a conversation. I hear about it. The conversations while you're on the drive time. Listen, if, you, if you're in an uh, uh, occupation where you drive, it's a great time to listen to God's Word. This past week, I, I put online a, a place that you can go online to, to hear the reading of God's Word uh, where somebody speaks it to you. Find those things. Find those places that you can go to fill your mind with God's Word. Don't be afraid to have conversations with your kids about it. If you're going to connect to media, connect to something that has to do with God's Word. And the question is this, why is it so important that God's Word be a priority in our lives. Why? I mean, why would we even say or even bring up that God's Word be a priority? Why is it a priority? Because I said so? Why is God's Word a priority? Hello? Why is God's Word a priority? Eternal? What else? Life? What are all these things? Why is God's word, should it be a priority in our life? The psalmist said this, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Anybody like to walk in the dark places with no light? Is our world full of light or is it full of darkness? Listen, I got to tell you guys this. Where's Bill O'Brien? Is he here? Oh, Bill. Bill, I'm taking my best shot. Because I think you were there. Didn't, didn't we play golf with a Rotary Club tournament? <laughs> oh, dear Lord, how mercy. Help me, Jesus. So we got invited to play at this Rotary Club tournament, golf, in, over in Eustis. Well, the only problem was the golf tournament was after 
dark. I'd never played golf in the dark. I can't play golf in the daylight, much less golf at dark. So anyway, I'm thinking, I kept asking, well, how in the world are we going to play golf at dark when you, when you can't even see the ball? I said, I don't know, glow-in-the-dark glow golf. So uh, anyway, so we get there, and they got these golf balls. It's got this little bitty tiny thing that's glow-in-the-dark, and they stick it in the golf ball. Are you guys with me? I'm not telling you a lie. I'm telling you this is true. This is an efficient story, okay? So you got this golf ball, you take this little glow-in-the-dark thing, you stick it in the golf ball, and, the, and every one of the pins, the flags, have like a, uh, a glow-in-the-dark deal. So you see these, it's really, it's really unique how you can see those pins in the middle of the night. It's something how you can see these golf balls, this little bitty light. So I'm thinking, man, this is going to be, <laughs> this is ridiculous. How am I going to swing? But it worked. I don't know how it was. But I, I was with a, a friend. I call him a friend at this moment. He, he, he wasn't a friend by the time we were done that night. But, <laughs> but I was paired up with this guy, and he takes off. Man, he thought he was, in like a, he was in like some kind of a race. And I'm like, look, brother, you better slow this thing down. We can't see. It's dark. Don't you drive this thing this fast. I said, this is not a speedway. I can see just fine. I said, you can't see, man. It's dark outside and we don't have any lights. He said, I can see. Have you ever seen a golf? Well, I can't say that because we live in the villages and we got lights and air conditioners everything else. There was no lights on this golf cart. I said, listen, brother, you got to stop. Don't be driving like this. I can see just fine. We've been playing for a few holes. And I mean, he takes off. And I said, will you please stop and quit driving so... And about that time, we hit a stump. And I mean, the stump was about that high. I thought I had whiplash. I'm hollering at him, you crazy nut, what are you doing? I can't believe I told you. And I mean, and you could see all these people. And you can, your senses get, you get really sensitive at night when, when it's dark. And I could hear all these people laughing. The whole place is laughing. And you see, all these, you see all these golf balls jiggling up and down, you know? I probably was screaming like a girl. I wanted to kill him. <laughs> if I'd have only had a light, I'd have probably hit him over the head with it. But We laugh at that and we make fun of it, but we do the same thing in life, don't we? We're walking around in life in the darkness, when we've got a light, we have access to the light to give us direction. You know, this is, this is unique too. I find out that when I'm in the dark and I've got a light, not only do I have light to light my way so that I can see where I'm going, I also have courage to walk. Are you with me? Yeah. So not only can I see where I'm going, but I also have courage and boldness to take those steps that I need to take because I can see what's 
before me. And that's what God's word does. It helps us hold on and remain faithful. So if we're going to, if we're going to remain faithful, we've got to make God's word foundational. Even though we don't always understand it. We have to make it a priority in our lives. And here's a third thought. We've got to make the decision to grow. You've got to make the decision to grow. If you've ever raised children, you know there comes that time in their life when you've got to go from feeding them one certain thing to another certain thing to another certain thing. And then there are the famous words, I can do it myself. I can do it, Mama. I can do it. We ought to have the same enthusiasm as believers and followers of Christ. I can do it. I mean, there's a time when we have to feed and give you a little bit, and you got to get something in here, and you got to walk through, and people walking alongside of you. But listen, every one of us should have that desire to say, I can do it, Mama. I can do it, Daddy. I want to be able to do it myself. I want to be able to grow. I've got the enthusiasm, the excitement to say, I want to be able to grow. I want to be able to move ahead. Colossians 3.16, let the message about Christ in all its riches fill your lives deeper and deeper and deeper. And as, as the word of God goes deeper and as we mature in our faith, there's that transformation that begins to take place. Some things along the journey to help you go deeper. Write this down. Get a Bible translation that you enjoy. Get a Bible translation that you enjoy. Um, I mean, how do you know? I have people asking, what Bible do I need to get? Get one that you, that you enjoy. There's, there's different types of translations. <clears throat> See, the reason we have translations is because the God's Word wasn't written uh, originally in English. It was written and the Old Testament in Hebrew and some in Aramaic and the New Testament it was written in Greek. So for us to be able to have a copy of God's Word today, somebody had to translate it. Somebody had to sit down and they had to translate it. And so we have different translations. The first English translation that we have was given by King James, 1611. And since that time, there are many other translations that have come along because the language changes over time. There are words. There are words that when I, even when I was growing up that... That now, if they were to say them, they're totally different meanings. Totally different. And there are three different types of translations. I'm going to give them to you really quickly. What we would call formal or literal equivalency. It was a translation of God's word from the original text to English, and it was word for word. Word for word. Scholars got together. They took the languages. They translated the Bible as closely as possible. Closely as possible. Word for word, some examples of formal or literal equivalency or maybe the translations like a King James, a New King James, a New American Standard, um, English Standard. Those are a couple of translations that are word for word as closely as possible from the original text. Then you have what you call the functional or dynamic equivalency. It's called functional because it's, it's functional. It's easier, easier to understand. Also taken from the original text, translated into English. But it wasn't just word for word, but it was thought for thought. They took sentences and they put them in the language that was easier for us to be able to understand what we use, what we talk about all the time. And many times on the screen, we'll use this, this, uh, this translation, New Living Translation. I use this all the time. 
New, New International Version is another one of those. Today's English Version. I, knew, I grew up memorizing a lot of scripture out of the New, uh, New International Version. But there's also a, a, what's called the free translation or paraphrase. And it's not word for word and it's not thought for thought. And it's not even a translation from the original text. But it's a translation or it's a paraphrase of the English. What's been copied in the English. And so what they do is they go back and they rewrite they rewrite it in an easier and more contemporary version. It's where we have um, the Living Bible and what's called the Message. As a matter of fact, I learned in, in studying and walking through this that the Living Bible was written by a man who wanted his children to be able to, to, be able to read the Bible and understand it in an easier form. Pretty interesting. And then the Message, which we use uh, from time to time. I know Sheila loves the Message because it speaks to us. But I thought I would show you a passage of Scripture to show you the differences. And let's just look at this one passage of Scripture and show it written in each one of those, those different translation forms. Here's Proverbs chapter 14, verse 23. And look at what it says in the King James Version. In all labor there is profit, but the talk of the lips tendeth only to penury. Penury. You're like going, okay, all right, woo, that's old time. That's old time. Original text all the way back. Translated it 1611, it's the way it stood since that time. Now, look at what it says, thought for thought, a little bit more contemporary, understanding, New Living Translation, same passage of Scripture, but this is what it says. Work brings profit, but mere talk leads to poverty. I bet you can understand that, can't you? You work, you eat. You don't work, you don't eat. And then look at what he says in the message. Here's a message translation, a paraphrase. This is the thought. Hard work pays off. Mere talk puts no bread on the table. Some of you want to give that to somebody you know, don't you? <laughs> that just shows you some of the differences. Word for word, thought for thought. And here's going back to the original text. Translated into English. And then what you have is a paraphrase here with the free. Comes back not all the way to the original text, but it's a paraphrase of the English version. Right or wrong, listen, I don't care. Get you a copy of God's Word. What's most helpful for you, what you can spend time. The second, invest in a study Bible. Invest, uh, listen, uh, a life application Bible or something that's got some notes and commentary that you can read as you go along because they are so vital and so helpful. I mean, I can't tell you, when I'm reading through the notes for the, for the reading every day through the New Testament, I go down and I follow my notes in the, in, the, in the bottom because I don't know everything. And I try to get a little bit of an idea, okay, here's what the commentary says. It's a little bit helpful. So if you don't have a, a, uh, a study Bible, get yourself a study Bible. If you don't have a Bible and you're here today and, and you don't have a Bible and you can't afford a Bible, you say, I just can't afford one. Listen, go to guest services and we'll give you a Bible. We'll give you the same Bible we use in foundations class, same Bible that they have. The only thing is it's not a study Bible, but it is a Bible that you can have, that you can, you can write with and you can utilize because a copy of God's Word is so vitally important. The third thing I want to say is this, so invest to get yourself a, a copy of, of God's Word, that, that, a translation that you like. Second of all, get you invest in a study Bible if you can afford that. The third thing is get yourself in a group 
Get yourself in a group, a missional community, or a group of people that you can talk about God's Word. Because it's not just listening, but it's being able to sometimes sit down and talk, talk out, ask questions about God's Word and what it has to say. It's not just about the accountability, but it's being able to discuss God's Word. But this is what I know about you. So many times we're fearful to get into a group because we're afraid. Somebody may ask us something that we don't know. I know that about you. I know that about you. Because I'm the same way. So it's easy just to say no and stand at a distance. But let me tell you, the value of being in a small group, a missional community, and having that opportunity to, to discuss and to talk about God's Word is so valuable. You can go online, you can look up under missional communities, it tells you where they're listed. But there are several opportunities, Sheila, that she talked to you about this morning. Listen, Foundations Class, a great place for those of us that have been in the Word for a long time. You just want to sit down and, and listen. You, maybe you want to grasp and go back to some of, the, some of the foundational roots. Those of you that may not be a believer and you're just interested in wanting to know or those that are new believers, it is a great place to go. The people that are leading that class are phenomenal teachers. They will teach you, instruct you. If you've got middle school, high school students you want to bring, it's great. It is a great, great place. Women's Bible studies, there's two middle, uh, in the morning and one at night that's going to start happening. Go online and sign up. If you're in the issue of finances, you're dealing with finances, you're talking about, man, I'm struggling with finances. It can be a storm that you're going to walk through this next year. I know that Mark and Brian and those would love to be able to, to walk you through personal finances and, and financial peace. It starts in February. You don't have to wait. You can go online and start. If you're not signed up for the men's retreat, sign up for the men's retreat because we're going to have an opportunity to have those discussions, to talk about God's Word. Not to see what you know, but just to be able to talk about God's Word. Anything along those lines are so vitally important. There's a group of men that meet at Chick-fil-A. Man, if you love Chick-fil-A and you want to talk about God's Word, Tuesday mornings is your time. See Dan McCondy. Dan, raise your hand. Dan will say how to get there. Love to have you. Sit around with the table. They read an Old Testament pastor scripture one week, a New Testament pastor scripture the next, next week. Maybe none of those fit your schedule. Find somebody, grab them and say, listen, will you talk with me about God's word? I want to have a discussion. And don't be afraid to say, I don't know. The other thing, listen, we, because of your tithes and offerings, and you guys have been so faithful, you have, you have been so faithful in your tithes and offerings, and because of that, we have a resource that's called Right Now Media. Right Now Media gives us access, you access, to thousands of Bible studies online that are, man, they're right there, and the teachings are right there, and you can do them inside your homes. You don't have to buy a video. We've already bought it for you. You can download it in your homes and show them on your TVs, and you as a family can watch it. You as a group can watch it. You want to get a group of people around, you can watch it. Any topic that you can imagine on every, just about every main pastor and teacher there is on God's Word. We've got access to that. If you don't have that, if you don't know how to have access to it, email us at info at heritagecommunity.org, and we'll make sure, say, look, I want to have access to Right Now Media. We'll make sure that you have access to it. We'll send you an invitation so that you have access, so that you can download it. I've got it on my phone. Sometimes when I'm waiting in line, I can download a video and I can watch it right there. I was struggling with something the other day with, with, with kids, and I said, man, i got to find myself a parenting thing. So I'm, and I go, oh, that's what I'm talking about right there. That's it. Thank you. It was an encouragement. 
So we've got those resources for you. You just have to say, I, I want to do it. It's got to become a priority for you. Fourth thing, recognize that God's word is a weapon. We've already seen this, that 2017 has already bought tragedy, hasn't it? 2017 has just started, people. Just starting. You've got to be able to see that and recognize and understand that Satan wants to destroy, and he has is, he is set out a plan to try to distract you and destroy you, and he is doing everything he can to try to do that. It may be your marriage. It may be your finances. It may be something in reference to work. It may be depression, sexual temptation. He, the enemy, knows your place of weakness. Maybe it has something to do with your kids. I don't know. But we have God's word that can be used as an offensive weapon. Ephesians chapter 6, this is what Paul said, Therefore put on every piece of God's armor so that you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle you will still be standing firm. And he goes on and there's a list of, of, of items to put on. But one of those items, every one of those items are defensive, are defensive, defensive, used for the defense. There's one item that's used for the offense. And you know what it is? God's word. God's word. And he says, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. In Matthew chapter 4, we see Jesus being tempted by Satan. And Jesus, time after time after time, goes back to the word and says, no, the scriptures say. Or in the New International Version, he says, no, it is written. It is written. Jesus used the word. And we have God's word we have God's word because those challenges will come and we have the ability to be able to use it to say, no, that's not the truth. That's a lie. I know it's a lie because I know what God's word has to say. When you get to that place and you feel like you're junk, no, I'm not junk. I know exactly what God's word has to say. I know that I have an inheritance that is beyond anything that you could ever dream or imagine, that I'm a child of the king. That's what the scriptures has to say. When those times that you're fearful or afraid, to be able to go back to a passage of Scripture like Psalms 56 that says, when I'm afraid, I will trust in you. Or 2 Timothy that says, for God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, a spirit of fear, timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Or those times in prayer when we, we can't even utter because we really don't know how to pray. There's something that we're struggling with or we're dealing with, and it really doesn't have to do about what we get or what we don't get, but it has to do about us being able to surrender and saying God's will be done. 1 John 5, 14 says, And we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask and anything that pleases him. And since we know that he hears us when we make our request, we are also know that he will give us what we ask for. Again, the emphasis here isn't on what we get or don't get. The emphasis is on God's will. God Bring me to a place that I accept and I trust you, whatever that may be. What about the financial issues? Philippians 4, 19, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. That is a promise. Or maybe you're a young person and you're trying to figure it all out and don't know really exactly what's next for you. Maybe you're struggling. I remember being 17 years old and a church asking me about being a minister of youth and a minister of youth and music. It's 17 years old. And I'm thinking, you got to be kidding me. 
and going back to God's word and God's word telling me, man, listen, don't let anyone look down on you because of your youth, but set an example. Set an example. It's not about age, but set an example. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. We are more than conquerors. In spite of all things and whatever may be going on around us that may be crazy, that are, the victory is ours in Christ Jesus. And Paul said, listen, we, we wrestle not with flesh and blood. My problem is not Gail Fort. That's not my problem. And it's not Tom. And it's not David. And it's not Hillary. You're not my problem. You're not my problem. The enemy is not us. The enemy is Satan. And he wants to destroy you, to be reminded of that. We wrestle not with flesh and blood, but of powers and principalities and rulers of this dark world, which reminds me of this, the memorization of Scripture. The last thought, number five, the memorization of Scripture. Find those areas. Memorize Scripture. Be honest about those issues that you're dealing with. Take the God's Word. Memorize it so that you can use it as a weapon. How can you keep your way pure? We find the answer. Psalms 119. He goes on to say, I've tried hard to find you. Don't let me wander from your commands. And this is the prayer that he gives. I've hidden, my, I've hidden your word in my heart, Lord, that I may not sin against you. I've hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. You want 2017 to be a great year, the best year ever? The best thing you can do is make God's word a priority. Foundation, priority, put it there, spend time in it because it will show us what to do and how to go. And to hide it in our hearts because when the storms come, which they say we're going to get this afternoon, we won't have to be afraid, but we can be assured of God's faithfulness and his security and his provision and his protection. If you don't know him, what keeps you from making the most important decision of your life? If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, what is it that keeps you from saying, yes, I want to follow you? For those of us that are believers that say we have a relationship with God, I guess the challenge is this, is God's word truly a priority for your life? I want to pray over you, and then we want to be dismissed. You bow your heads. <clears throat> it's easy. It's really easy for stuff to go in one ear and out the other ear. Holy Spirit, I'm praying that you would be the prompter.
that we would be the listeners to tell us what it is we need to do with what we've heard today. Some need to create some space in their calendars, some space in their schedules to seek you first. Would you help those do that today that need to do that? Some here today need to take another step and make spiritual growth a priority. Not just spending time in the Word, but, but taking some, some extra steps. For those people, help them have the ability to be able to make that commitment and to follow through in that process. For some that are here, they have a love for God's word, but they just don't know exactly what to do. Maybe even this morning they would get on that computer and they would sign up for foundations or sign up for that women's Bible study and they would join a group, not just to put away the fears and the anxieties of what somebody may think or what they may feel and just put all that aside just to say, I want to grow in it, 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 it whatever Whatever it takes, I want to grow and be a part. For a man that's here that would love to go to the men's retreat, but what's holding him back is, well, who's going to be my roommate? Or is something going to happen that, that may embarrass me? Or put all that stuff aside just to say, man, I want to go. I want to go. I can do it. I want to, grow. I want to go because I want to grow. But there's some maybe here that don't know you. And the Holy Spirit is really prompting them right now to say, take that next step. To believe that Jesus died on that cross, that we're sinners. That Jesus died on that cross for our sins. To recognize that we can't save ourselves. We can't be good enough. We can't do enough. We can't serve enough. We can't, we can't do enough activity. It's not about our works that we're saved, but it's by the blood of Christ shed on that cross for the forgiveness of our sins, that he demonstrated his love, that even while we were walking away and not following him, he died for us. But to recognize today that separation and that relationship with God, but today to say, I, I want to follow you. I want to trust you. I want, I want to have that relationship with you. And if you're here today, you have the ability to just to come before him and say, Jesus, I, I don't understand, but I, man, I want to, I want to have a relationship with you. I want to confess my sin. My life's a mess. And I want to follow you. And you can make that decision right where you are. And you can make it when you're going home. And you can make it in the privacy of your own home. You can make it tomorrow. But don't say no if you feel that prompting. And don't be afraid to say, to tell another person that you've made that decision. Such an important decision. That's the decision that you're wanting to make today. I pray that you'd come see me after the service. So I just want to make that decision to follow Jesus. For all of us, I pray that we've heard something here that's been impactful in our lives. And when we walk out these doors, we're going to take it with us and we're going to hold on to it. 
that as we go, that we'll recognize that we're your children, those of us that are followers of Christ, and that we'll be your ambassadors to the world that you've brought us to. God, that as we go out, that we will be light in a dark world. But Father, that we will go to the light, the light, Jesus himself and his word, and that we will, we will spend time in that so that we will, it will illuminate our path so that we'll know exactly what to do, where to go, how to respond in this world in which we live. You are the light. You've called us to be the light. May we be that. Thank you for this day. We pray for all of those that are in the midst of the turmoil of the storms that are coming. Would you protect? We ask that. Father, again, we do pray for our new president. Ask for leadership, your leadership, wisdom to be given. Father, we pray for also the Obamas as they take that next step for their lives. Father, I pray for submission and humility in their lives that they would seek you. I pray that we would pray for our nation and our leaders. We would be faithful in doing that. And we would understand that you've given us a mission. And it's not to be a Republican or a Democrat or an Independent or anything else, but it's to be your children and to be your witness, to be your light, to bring your light to this world. And we recognize that as your, your children. May we be faithful as we leave this place May we be faithful to your word. May we be faithful in witnessing. Father, we love you today. In Jesus' name, amen.